Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. Sometimes you have to be in the right place at the right time, but then you can set yourself up so when an opportunity does come along, you're fully equipped to take advantage of it. So sometimes it is down to luck, but as I say, it's because you put the groundwork in first that that opportunity then comes around. Can I get it? Oh, yeah. What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to the Enterprise Now podcast, where we educate, motivate, inspire, and transform business owners and entrepreneurs into success. That is what we do. We help folks launch, grow, and maximize. In this episode, I talk with James Mulvaney, a fellow podcaster, entrepreneur, and founder of Radio.co and Podcast.co, and also Matchmaker.fm. We talk about podcasting, developing and launching new products, competition, and connecting. Here is my conversation with James Mulvaney. All right, James. Can I get an oh yeah? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect. How was that? That was nice. I love it. So first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with us. I know you're a busy entrepreneur, business owner, so we definitely appreciate your time. No worries. Thank you very much for having me on. The second thing I always like to do every single time is to ask you to tell us about yourself. Now, James, when I say tell us about yourself, I mean, feel free to go all the way back to day number one. Or you can start a more current day. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'll give you the summary so it's not too long. <laughs> I'm James Mulvaney. I've been running online businesses in one form or another since I was like 16 years old. So for the past 15 years. And I love every single day of what I do. I'm an entrepreneur through and through. One interesting thing about me is I've actually never ever had a job working for anyone else. So I've always, since I was 16, just had little hustles. And obviously, nowadays, things have grown. Uh, I've got two different businesses at the moment. One is a radio broadcasting platform called radio.co. And one is a podcasting platform called podcast.co. And we'll probably talk a little bit about it later. But we also have a sort of side project, which we're working on at the moment called Matchmaker. But yeah, that's kind of my story started when I was young. I went off to university. I learned how to sort of write code. When I was at uni, I did a technical degree. So after I finished, I sort of had the basics down. So I wouldn't describe myself as technical now, but I'm more sort of focused on the business side of things, marketing. But I think in the early days, that taught me how to create web products and build websites and all that sort of stuff. So that was kind of really how I got started in the internet business. And we've got a 4,500 customers on radio.co. There's about 2,000 podcasts now on podcast.co. So things are going pretty well for us at the moment. 
That's awesome. So I'm going to dig into your background a little bit more by kind of talking through kind of your mindset and how you go about that, because you said that you've never actually had a real job. So I want to investigate, talk about that a little bit more. But first, tell us a little bit more about you. What's your favorite thing to do? Well, I love cooking. I think weirdly, like when I was growing up, I used to make furniture. I used to like doing woodworking projects. That was kind of like my thing when I was a kid. And I'd build all this weird and wonderful stuff with my friends, which was great fun. But then I was like, when I kind of got into college before I went to university, I was looking at career choices and I thought, do I really want to be working with wood? Is it necessarily going to be the best career choice or is tech more exciting? And there's definitely more opportunities there. So that's kind of where where I went down that route. But I always think, yeah, one day I'd love to go back to that sort of simple lifestyle, live in the countryside and just kind of craft things out of wood. But for now, I live in the middle of a busy city in Manchester, UK. So I work hard, play hard. I like cooking. I like going out to fancy restaurants and all that kind of thing. So, and also I love going on holiday. I love going to sort of sunny places, although obviously at the moment, can't do that. Can't travel. But there we go. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Got it. Now, talk a little bit about your upbringing. You said you've been running online businesses since mm. age 16. Pretty much. What makes a 16-year-old get into starting an online business? Well, my dad always said to me when I was growing up, my dad was an antique dealer. So he was self-employed. He had a shop selling furniture and he'd be going off doing deals and sourcing antiques for high-end boutique hotel chains and that kind of thing. That was what he did as his career. And that was what I always saw when I was growing up. But before then, he always said to us as kids, that was the best decision he ever made. Before that, he had different jobs working, doing all sorts of different things throughout his life. And he said, just being self-employed has always given me so much freedom and flexibility. And it meant that you know he could see us a lot more than a lot of the other dads when I was growing up. They were going and working in London. So they wouldn't be home until like 11 p.m. at night. They wouldn't get to see their children very much. So that kind of always, I think, resonated with me. And it was never sort of expected on me by my parents, you know, you should start a business. But I think because of that encouragement that I got from my dad when I was young, it just sort of felt right. And that's what sort of naturally led me to get where I am. And to begin with, I was just a kid just trying to make some pocket money. I was literally like, I had some time off over summer. And rather than kind of going and wasting time skateboarding or whatever, I was just behind my computer, like learning how to do stuff and figuring out, can I make some money online? And I used to just go onto forums. I used to design graphics and websites and logos and all sorts of stuff. And that was how I kind of got started, really. Now, are you extremely technical or are you more of the idea guy? Yeah, I think I'm the idea guy. I mean, I certainly, as I said, I learned to code. I used to write code. I haven't coded anything now for probably like eight or nine years. But I still have an understanding of how to build good products. I think that's the thing. My skill really lies now in transforming a need for a specific solution from customers into something that is literal, something that's, okay, there's a problem here. People are looking for for this. Or let's try and figure out a super simple way of doing this and just build it in a nice and easy to use platform. And I think because I have a good understanding of what the customer wants, also how to sell that product to make it appealing to a market. But then also because I had that technical sort of grounding in the early days, I can still speak to my development team and talk to them in a language they understand and they can talk to me and not have to be dumb stuff down too much because I'm fully aware of how we build and architect our platform. So I think it's, it's useful, but I wouldn't say I'm the technical guy now. Like I have a CTO who really oversees that side of things now. Got it. Now, you guys that are listening, if you've heard me tell my story of origin, you know that I started probably about six-ish years ago, started an online radio station. 
And James Mulvaney happens to be the person whose platform I used, Radio.co, to launch that station. And I launched the station and I ran across an actual podcast, fell in love with podcasting and decided to close the radio station and pursue podcasting 100%. So you, sir, are kind of a part of my origin story. So thank you so much for that. It's, you know, it's really flattering when you hear stories like that. It's great. What was the station called? It was called WQYLDB Radio. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. I mean, why did you shut it down then? Because uh, I always think sometimes it's good to leave. Like I've got this station, which I had, I launched probably 15 years ago called Birdsong FM. It just plays birds chirping. It's like a relaxation thing. Nice. It's still online. It still gets listeners. And it's like, I haven't touched it now for years, but I just left it online just to kind of, because it serves a cool purpose. Yeah. I may relaunch it. Though The main reason to answer your question is because of just focus and time. Mm. I wanted to really focus my time and attention on my podcast and make sure that that was growing and not have my attention divided. Yeah, that's fair enough. I understand that. Yeah, I think you make a good point there, like perseverance. As an entrepreneur, it's very easy. And I've been guilty of this in the past. Probably not so much anymore, but certainly when I was sort of maybe in my early 20s, I'd have new ideas every week and I'd be like, going off on tangents, thinking, oh, I can do this and I can do that. I can do that. I can take over the world. But actually, sometimes you've got to look at what's working and just focus on one thing. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So kind of segueing into what are some of the skills that you found over the years that have made you a successful entrepreneur? Hmm. I mean, I think it's, it's always a difficult question to answer because there's so many factors that make a good entrepreneur. And some of it is just down to luck. I do believe that. Sometimes you have to be in the right place at the right time, but then you can set yourself up. So when an opportunity does come along, you're fully equipped to take advantage of it. So sometimes it is down to luck. But as I say, it's because you put the groundwork in first, that, that opportunity then comes around. But I always think I kind of have these, these things called my three sassy commandments, right? The first one is thou shalt not mess around. So a lot of people just think there's sort of no sense of urgency. They spend too much time thinking about stuff rather than doing it. And actually, it's just about sort of getting down to it and just cracking on with the job at hand. The next is perseverance is absolutely key. And this goes back to what I was saying before. As an entrepreneur, especially I see this in a lot of people who are just starting out, they might get something that starts working or starts generating some revenue. And then as soon as that happens, they think, okay, I'm going to go off and do something else. Let's start a new business or start another project. But sometimes it's easier to make that one thing generate more revenue and focus in on that than it is trying to run like lots of different operations at once. Especially when you're just starting out on your own and you don't have a lot of resource. And again, sometimes you try different things and they don't work out. So I think you know, ultimately, perseverance, you just got to get to work and try and make it happen. And then finally, my third commandment is about being single-minded. So always be single-minded. And again, there's too many people in business, I think, who will worry about what the competition is doing, or they'll be too concerned of, oh, if I do this, what do people think of me? Or if I fail, what are people going to think of me? But ultimately, if you don't try something, you never know. If you're starting out from nothing, you've literally got nothing to lose. So you've just got to give it your all uh, and just go out there and make it happen. You know, like I said before, so being single-minded and focusing on what you can do best rather than thinking, oh, I'm just going to try and copy others. I think that's can... That can be really valuable. And I suppose that's basically the trick to it all, really. Got it. You have to unpack that a little bit more. Talk about, because <laughs> obviously you want to be aware of what the yeah. competition is doing, right? Because you don't yes. want to not address needs when you see that the competition might be addressing those needs. But talk about the balance between 
not worrying about what the competition is doing, but being aware of what they're doing? That's a good question. Yeah. So I think, firstly, there is always going to be competition. And having competition in a market sometimes can be really good because you know that there's actually a market there. It's a proof that there is people spending money in a specific area. So I would say if you're thinking about launching a business, don't be put off by the fact that you've got some competitors. But what you've got to try and do is carve your own way in a specific market. So if you're sat there worrying too much or trying to copy everything that they're doing, and quite a lot of the time, people who are running businesses aren't running them very well. So if you copy what they're doing, you're going to end up with the same results. You've got to try and do things differently and push yourself forward as an entrepreneur and try and be more reactive to your customers and your market versus just watching what your competition are doing. I say this because we have a lot of competitors who will copy us and we see this time and time again with the products we have and also in our marketing strategy as well. Like We'll write an article on something and then two weeks later, the competitors have written the same article. And it's really frustrating because it's like they're not actually taking any time to understand the market. They're just looking at what we're doing. But as a result, we've kind of researched and we do take time to understand the market and people's wants and needs and also find out people's pain points. And that doesn't just translate into our marketing strategy, but also in everything else we do. So the actual quality of the product we're building, the customer support, customer success team, technical support. So it's kind of like a holistic view you've got to take on the whole process of launching and running a product online. Yeah, that answer in of itself is worth, I don't know, a gazillion dollars. (laughs) Because I see it, as you know, you're a leader in the market, in my opinion. Yeah. Talk about, you addressed it a little bit, but dig a little bit deeper in how do you understand and deal with being a leader, right? Because when you're a leader, people are looking at you, you have a bullseye on your back, so to speak. And as mm-hmm. you said, you write an article and two weeks later, the competition is doing the same thing. How do you manage that? Well, it means you, you've always got to just be, it keeps you on your toes because you've always got to be being progressive and trying to push out your best content, trying to make your best features and I think the main thing is try to remember to stay true to what you set out to do in the first place. So for example, you can, as a tech company with running software platforms, you've got to sort of start with a core ethos. Is this product designed for a market that's highly technical, yes or no? Or is it going to be somewhere that's in the middle? Now, the thing is interesting with radio software, it's quite complicated, it's quite involved, and it does a lot of things. Now, ethos with radio.co at the beginning was let's try and simplify this process that was really quite complicated before by building it into one platform that does everything, right? And as you sort of progress and as you grow as a company, of course, you then get customers coming on board and saying, why doesn't it do this? Or I want it to work like this, or I want to add this feature. And it's just about being selective. And because, you know, there's such a thing as feature blow on software, which is when you just basically answer everybody with yes, we'll build that in. Yes, we'll add that. And suddenly you end up with this big complicated beast that's very hard for anyone to understand because it's got so much functionality and different switches and buttons. And so this is the thing. I think you've got to try and remember what you sort of set out to do initially. And if your process was, we set out to create a product to simplify a process, well, then you've got to try and be very, very careful and selective about which features you build and also how you implement them as well. Because otherwise you end up with something that kind of just ends up being like a Frankenstein. Got it. It's funny that you mentioned ethos, which is a really good segue to our next portion. There we go. Speaking of inspiration and inspiration being a pushing force or a driving force, what mm. inspires you? What inspires me? I think really now I look at results of customers. I think that's what inspires me. Probably beforehand, I was very much just like focused on money. I want to make as much money as possible. 
And that was like James five, 10 years ago. Now I think I'm very much driven and motivated by seeing results that we generate for customers. And obviously money's still good. I think anyone who says the money doesn't matter is lying. But I think seeing people using a product and getting feedback from people saying, wow, this has changed my life and seeing good comments, either about the product itself or about the team that I've built. I'm very lucky. I've got a great team. I've got 34 members of staff now working across both companies, most of which are in the UK, but we have a few over in the US, one in Canada as well. And it just seeing feedback on how great the team are from customers is also really, really satisfying, I think. Because you know that not only have you got a good product, but you've also got a good team. And, and ultimately, that makes an impact on people's lives who are using your software or your product. Yeah, case in point. I mean, as I think that I would have maybe been here in a different form without mm. Radio.co, but it really gave me a solid foundation on the radio side and gave me that permission almost to kind of indulge myself and move out there and try something different. So case in point, I'm a result of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. When you see someone signed up and they've said, oh, you know, this is something I didn't even realize I could do six months ago. And now I'm here. It's, it's good to see people kind of going along that journey. Yeah. And not to butter you up just because you're on my podcast, <laughs> but you do a very good job or you guys, your team does a very good yeah. job at making the software Number one, easy to use, easy to understand, and easy to implement, right? Because a lot of times that's the hurdle, that's the stumbling block is I want to do this thing, but it's so complicated to get started that mm. it, it deters people. So I'm a, an example of you guys doing a great job on the front end of how do we make this easy to use and make sure that it actually works. Never had an issue. So I can tell that you guys do that work on the front end. Yeah. And again, I think the secret to that is not just kind of making it up and, and just guessing as you go along. like. There are some products, there's some founders that will design it kind of just how they think it should work. We are always very much driven on, we'll sit down when we're planning it and we'll actually do that. We'll plan it, we'll come up with concepts, we'll think about the user journey and how they go from point A to point B and what steps you need to get them there. So when we're designing products before, like we did this with podcast.co, we did this with Matchmaker, we won't sort of just start writing code and just make it up as we go along. We will sit there, we'll actually brainstorm ideas and we'll try and create a simplest to use solution that we can. And sometimes that takes time and it costs more money to do it that way because you're not just suddenly saying, right, let's just get on and build it. You're actually thinking about it. And again, we've done with podcast.co, for example, one of the things we did was we actually did a lot of user testing. So before we launched it to the public, we had people literally come into the office and physically sit there and test the platform out. And we set them tasks. How do you upload an episode? How do you edit the description? How do you do this? Didn't give them any instructions and actually just physically recorded them doing it. And we asked them to talk through what they thought they should do. So going through that process was really good and useful. And it kind of, again, just helped us with sort of defining the platform, making sure that the actual user experience worked on people who weren't been uh, exposed to it before, as you'd expect. I think if you just make something and put it out there for the public, how do you know that you're right? You need to sort of try this out first, basically. Got it. Now, we talked a little bit about inspiration, but yeah. what motivates you? It's always a difficult question. I find that quite difficult to answer. I think I'm just naturally a very motivated person. I think just like everyone, I have good years and bad years. I think there's some years where I'm like really kind of motivated and pushing everything forward. And other, you have periods of time where you kind of maybe are not are sort of driven. But I think naturally, I always, I'm always just coming up with new ideas and thinking of ways to improve things and just trying to take things to the next level as well. And again, I think I mentioned before, 
when you get this feedback from people and you know you're onto something good, I think that really helps and spurs me on to keep going at it. Got it. Tell us about a butterfly moment in your life when you went from being in a cocoon to being a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> okay, that's a good question. Yeah, so I think really it was when I started university because I before uni, I was very much like a bit of a recluse. I had friends at school and stuff, but I was a pretty shy kid. I sat behind the computer hiding away. And that's great because I sort of, as I said, I started my business then, but I didn't have the kind of people skills and that confidence that I have now. And I think going to uni, moving away from home, and I moved like 200 miles away. So it was like big, big leap. Other end of the country for us, 200 miles in the US is not that far, but for us, it's like literally halfway up the country. So it was great because it really just pushed me outside my comfort zone. And I think it really helped me with my sort of interpersonal skills, which has obviously paid off in business because it means you're a better communicator, you're better at communicating with your team, with your customers. And that was really the moment I think that helped change me as a person. If you had to take two minutes to teach us something, Mm. what would that be? For business? Well, I mean, I think we should talk about going on a podcast tour. Like one of the the new platforms which we've just launched is called matchmaker.fm, which is how we met. In a weird way, you said we've sort of crossed paths before, but Matchmaker is something I'm really passionate about. We launched this in February this year. So it's only five months old and we've grown it from zero to about four and a half thousand members within this period of time. And these members are across people who have got podcasts and also industry experts. And then some people have got profiles for both. So some people will be appearing on other people's podcasts and have their own. But really, it's just a way of connecting great minds together. And it's totally free service. We've launched it as a free service because obviously, first and foremost, we want to just try and grow the numbers. And the plan is we will always have a free tier, a free plan. I think eventually we'll have some premium options as well. But it's great to be able to make those connections. And really, it's great for any business owner. If you're launching a new product or you've just written a book and you want to promote it or you want to promote your business or you're a coach or an author, a speaker, or you're trying to, or a consultant, and you're trying to get more people aware of what services you offer, Going on podcast is a great way to do that because it doesn't require that much time investment in terms of, you know, I've just come off a challenge to set myself to do 30 podcasts within 30 days. And one of the reasons to do this was actually to tell people about Matchmaker as I'm doing now. So each of those podcasts is like an hour, an hour and a half maximum recording. So for 30 hours commitment, I've managed to reach an audience of, I don't know how many hundred thousand who are listening to those podcasts, but it would be a significant number of people. And of course, that content is evergreen, so it's never going to go anywhere. It's going to always stay there. People can always listen to it. And it's just really quick and easy way of promoting something. And it's really good fun as well. I think it's been very valuable for me as a guest, appearing on so many different shows and meeting so many awesome hosts and different people and seeing different interview styles. I've learned a lot about how to be a better guest. I've also learned a lot from people who have asked me questions about how to ask a question. So it's been really, really good fun and a good learning curve for me too. But yeah, I'd recommend it to anyone. And of course, Matchmaker has specifically been designed to do this, to allow you to create connections with podcasters. So sign up and check it out. As I say, it's completely free. Awesome. Awesome. Well, as the old saying goes, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. Come to the end of our conversation. But if people want to learn more about you and what you do, how can they reach out? Of course, yeah. So if you want to check uh, radio.co is the platform we talked about before. We also have podcast.co, matchmaker.fm. And if you want to connect with me on social media directly, if you head to jamesm.com slash connect, 
there will be all the links are on for social media channels, YouTube, etc. on there. And I'm always creating lots of content as well about podcasting, radio, communication, etc. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Enterprisers, if you got value from that awesome conversation, let the world know by subscribing to the email list and leaving a review on your favorite podcast app. That helps us know that we're bringing you golden nugget field conversations with the most inspirational business owners. Reach out at podcast at enterprisenow.net with any feedback or questions for me or any of my guests. Thanks again, folks, and we'll talk with you guys next time. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.